Hi everyone, it's Roger and James here from the What's On Disney Plus podcast. It's episode number 92 for the week of the 8th of August. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Walt Disney Company's investors call, which included Mulan becoming a premium rental through Disney Plus. We'll be talking about how many subscribers they've got, the launch of the brand new streaming service Star, which I'm going to have a lot more to say on. We'll also be talking about our thoughts of uh, Howard and a lot more. But before we go any further, a couple of bits of housekeeping. If you haven't already done so, make sure you do subscribe either on the uh, audio platforms such as Spotify or Apple or Google or on YouTube as well. And also just a big, big thank you to all of our patrons for all of your support. Uh, from as little as a dollar a month, you help support the podcast and also the YouTube channel and the website. And it really makes a big difference. You also get access to an exclusive um, weekly Q&A video that I do, plus little bits and pieces extra. So a big thank you to um, Lauren, Jacob, Sarah, Joshua, Giuseppe, What's on Netflix, Andrew and Julie. And I also just want to make a huge thank you also to our mods over on our Facebook group, because really, and honestly, I couldn't do it without you guys, but I just wanted to throw that one in there as well. So let's jump into the news. And there were some big ones. We had that um, investors event, which always brings a few nice things, usually from the business point of view, which has a ripple down effect. Obviously, Disney are really struggling right now in terms of the parks, kind of being closed and being open and not really fully doing. Films aren't being released, which is another massive issue. And streaming is now their new main thing. They, they've gone all, they're going all in on streaming. They know this is where they need to make money. I think in some ways this, this year has shown them that that's what, you know, what they've been doing is right. And now they need to double down on it and invest even heavily into this um, going forward. So let's start off with the good news. Disney Plus hit 60 million subscribers, um, which is fantastic news. They've actually hit their five-year goal in the first year. One would say that maybe their goal was quite low to begin with, but um, that's what we did say when they said it. But they've hit it, and now they can set themselves new things. They've apparently got over 100 million subscribers through all of their platforms because they've got 30 million on Hulu. Though, um, and then they've also got ESPN Plus as well. And that's all something they're going to continue to try to increase and try to um, change as they move forward. And they keep sort of basically heavily investing. They're going to be heavily investing in more Disney Plus originals. They know that the originals are what brings in new subscribers and the library is what keeps subscribers. So they are aware of that issue and they're just going to be investing more in it. Um, filming is starting to get underway in a number of different areas. So things are starting to move again for them. Um, it's not a huge surprise, but it's starting to... I think they maybe got past that feeling of we've got to hold on to everything because we're not going to have anything. They're now going, to, no, we are actually going to have some stuff coming up in the future. But um, yeah, what did you, what was coming your big takes that you saw out of this? Uh, well, the biggest take of course is one we'll come to in a second. Uh, actually the two biggest takes. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, kind of not all that many surprises. Uh, if you've been paying attention for the last four months or so, yeah. obviously. Uh, they're doing a little bit better than I expected that they were going to be doing. I thought the parks would hit them a bit harder. I know mm. that sounds a little bit weird because the parks did get hit really hard, but it, it, I don't know, I thought it would be a bigger line item, honestly. Mm. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe, they still got, I mean, they still got Disneyland and Hong Kong Disneyland. They're both still shut. So, right. but they, I think the fact that they are now generating some revenue, um, I mean, and I think they're still turning a profit on that, even just not as much. So that kind of eases off on some of it. Yeah, and I, I do think a lot of it has to do with Walt Disney World being open. Yeah. Um, opinions on whether or not it should be may vary, 
but it is open and they're making money off of it. And that's, that's helping them out, obviously. But streaming definitely seemed to be the thing they were focused on because right now, um, basically the stock market, and this is the thing with the investors calls. It's very much about investors and the business side of things. And the basic main thing was that streaming is the future it's what they've, they've got. They're all their production lines set up to, to produce content for, and they're kind of going to be going more and more heavily into that. So let's first off talk about Mulan. Now, Mulan, they've had to make a big announcement where they obviously pulled it from um, this. It's been moved from its March slot to July, and then it's got moved to August. Then they pulled it, and now it's going to be coming to Disney Plus on September the, oh, the I think it's the 4th. I've just listed it. It's the first yeah, week in September. Yeah. So it's going to be arriving, but they're going to be doing something a little bit different. It's going to be a premium kind of rental. Um, it'll be priced at $29.99. Now, the good thing is with this one is that apparently when you do rent it, you do get access to it kind of pretty much until it gets added to Disney Plus properly. So um, it apparently becomes part of your, you'll be able to access it for weeks or months before it comes. Because it will be coming to Disney Plus like normal. We have to think... Had Mulan come to the cinema on the same day, how long would it take before it arrived on Disney Plus normally? That's the thing you probably got to um, take into account. And then you're always going to have access for a lot longer. So that does, um, I think, add a little bit more value. It's not like it's a 48-hour thing. Um, of course, a lot of hoopla around this. A lot of subscribers aren't happy about the fact that they're not getting getting it. And it's kind of like, well, if they put it on iTunes, you wouldn't, we wouldn't have had it anyway. So it's like... It's that kind of weird thing. It's going on Disney Plus, but it's kind of this like weird. I think everyone kind of wants Disney Plus to be this everything's available in one package. And I think things are going to start changing maybe a little bit in terms of how they view Disney Plus. And we'll be getting into that on the Star Project later. But um, I think it's a bit of an odd one. I think the price is very high, $29.99. They're definitely setting up as a high tier product. Um, I think $19.99 might have been a little bit more easier to swallow. Um, yeah, it's... It's of course. I mean, the, the the Facebook group. Not most people just are like, no way am I spending that. There's a lot of families going. Actually, that's a really good bargain. I think there's always that difference of maybe like you and me, where we go to the cinema and we go once, we pay for once, we take our own snacks, and probably try and get in and out as quickly and as cheaply as we possibly can. Whereas some people turn it into a big event. It's a whole family day out, and it costs them hundreds of dollars to go to the cinema. Um, so therefore, there's that bit of a difference of what they view it. Um, a lot of backlash from cinemas. Cinemas um, feeling like they've been um, done over. And um, there was this one video of this guy in France destroying a Mulan sign with his baseball bat, which definitely got a lot of people's attention. Um, Germany and the UK have also been they've been unhappy. It is going to be coming to cinemas in countries where Disney Plus doesn't exist. Um, but yes, yeah, bit of a messy one. It's I've, Disney, um, Bob Chapek did say that this is a one-off. I think the term one-off will really depend on how well it does as whether or not it is a one-off. Um, Disney have been very supportive of the uh, sort of going to cinema route. They've been holding stuff back. They didn't really do the Universal and Warner Brothers, were they? but even they had Disney obviously moved the one and only Ivan and also Artemis Fowl away from cinema. So they've had to do this. They had to, but a lot of cinemas are really pulling on Disney because Disney is their lion's share of the big blockbusters. And if Disney start playing around, um, I, and I also think as well, cinemas are, you know, they're on their knees, they're desperate, and they know that if everything, everything's changing so quickly and they almost feel like probably they're not in control of all of this. What did you think of the Mulan situation? 
All right, so there's a whole lot to unpack here. Yeah. Uh, you just rattled off a bunch of stuff and a lot of <laughs> stuff that needs responding to. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Uh, it coming to Disney Plus as a premium rental in and of itself is something of a Pandora's box here or a slippery slope, however you want to look at it. Yeah, they do say it's a one-off, but I, I understand a lot of people's concern about this because uh, I get both sides here. But if if you are paying for Disney Plus and now you're also saying there will be premium content on top of it, it, it does feel like it's a de devaluation of what you're paying for. Mm -hmm. Now, that is also with the understanding that uh, this is a true premium content. This is not something where they're like, oh, it's been in theaters for five months already. We'll put it on a little earlier than you would have expected at a premium. No, this is a full release that you were not getting any other way. It, it's, uh, it's right there. So I get why they're doing it, but at the same time, I'm like, I would have preferred you launch it on iTunes and Amazon and, and keep them separate. But of course, if they launch it on Amazon and iTunes, then a little bit of that pie goes to Microsoft or I don't know why I said Microsoft, Amazon or Apple. I mean, it would probably end up on the Xbox and the PlayStation yeah. as well. So, uh, so obviously they want as much of the pie as possible. So that's, that's, that's the first thing. Second thing, $29.99 price. Uh, I'm with you on the, the main point. For me, this is a terrible bargain. This, I, I live by myself, and with COVID going around, the chances of me going to a Lake Mulan watch party are, are pretty much nil at this point. So for me, it's a terrible birth. The second you add a second person, like you've got your wife at home, yeah. the two of you watch together, that becomes a $15 per person. That's right in the range of what uh, non-matinee pricing is here in the States. So that's... Yeah. That's acceptable pricing. The second you had a third person on, $10 person, bargain. Absolute yeah. bargain. I already, I've talked to my boss. He's got two kids in the like eight to 12 range, somewhere in there, uh, as well as another coworker, coworker in the same. And they're just like 30 bucks for Mulan. Or, yeah, that's like a third of what I was going to pay in the theater. Yeah. Great deal. So it's all situational. And yeah, it's not the same as like Frozen or honestly, even Trolls 2, which wasn't as big a headline movie no. as Mulan is. And this isn't like, oh, we accidentally released it right before a giant pandemic. This is we've been pushing back, pushing back, pushing mm -hmm. back. They, they needed to salvage something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too keen on the price, but I think it is perfectly fair for what they're offering. Well, I think there's a very tricky one with that price point. And like you say, I mean, I'd look at this and go, well, I'd say like, like, like the cinema people going, well, Disney did kind of, they've pushed it back twice. They, you know, they pushed it back um, a number of times to try and make sure they could get it into cinemas. And eventually the clock ran out. That's, that's the way I look at it. The clock has ran out on what they're doing because they, they've got a number of movies still scheduled to come out in September. The New Mutants, they've also got, I think the... Um, there's a David Copperfield movie. There's a few other ones coming up in line that they're going to... So it's like Disney did... They didn't just go straight... You know, they could have done this in March. You know, that's the thing that they could have done and just gone, oh, yeah, we're just going to do this. But they didn't. Um, they did hold back. So I kind of got to say, well, Disney tried to, you know, and, they, and then they moved it again to try and hold on to it. But eventually the market's just dictated. Um, I do think moving forward, that is, it's going to be to see how this all works. I think um personally and this is going to tie into the star issue 
and I'm going to say it again a bit later on, was I think Disney Plus is now being viewed as a gateway into their television. Um, like you say, if they don't go through Ab Apple and, you know, if they don't go through Google and all the rest of it, they get a bigger cut. And if they can get, I don't know, a certain percentage of Disney Plus subscribers to pay up, they could claw back the cost of, get I think this is literally a case of claw back the costs of making it. And if they can make a little bit on the side, great. But that move, they're just trying to claw back. It's too expensive just to put on Disney Plus. It was, what, a two to $300 million movie? You know, the budget is just, it, it will not pull in for Disney Plus what they want. Um, how quickly it arrives on Disney Plus, I don't know. I mean, if the people have paid for it, I mean, I've got to be thinking at least three months. It can't be two weeks because that would just, that would be a really bad thing if they did what no. happened when we, um, onward. Uh, and Frozen. I think Frozen was a premium rental for, yeah. uh, Frozen 2, sorry, yeah. was a premium rental for a little while. And that was understood. They, they announced it up front. You, yeah. It's the premium rental, but if you wait a little bit longer, it's coming to, to Disney+. Mm -hmm. Plus. There is no way this is coming out any, any less than three months. And I think three months is optimistic. I, I'm thinking half a year, to be honest. But at the same time, I was also thinking that this wouldn't happen until things got really dire in like October or November. So September is already moving up the timeline that I kind of mentally had prepared for. So who knows? But three months minimum is what I would lock in right there. It, it's, uh, yeah. And in regards to uh, money back, they, they're leaving essentially about a billion dollars on the table with this. Yeah, you can talk about the $30 price point, but at the end of the day, they were expecting a box office take of more than a billion dollars. Mm. And they will be lucky to turn any sort of profit on this. Because again, production costs, you know, probably around 200 something million dollars, not exactly a small amount of money to begin with. There's also the promotional costs, which are, are typically separate from production costs. And those don't normally get publicized, but you have to imagine with all the things that got sent out, you know, that, that, uh, that French cinema owner, he, he didn't like go out and buy that stand. It was provided by Disney as, as a merchandising thing. Well, all, the the, all the billboards, all the big signs everywhere, the rental of, of those signs, that all costs as money. Because every time they move the date back there, basically all that money has just been f f lost. This is why like, I do think well, like with the new mutants and stuff, they still keep, you know, they still keep dropping those trailers and stuff because I am wondering of whether or not they are just going to throw that one out as a, as essentially the sacrificial lamb where they're just going to go like, let's see what the market will do. Cause this is the test. And I'm wondering if they've gone, well, this, we don't really like this movie. So let's just see how the market reacts to it. Um, I'll be honest as of, as of today here in the UK. Now, if you go to the moment, you've got to wear a mask um, in the law. Yeah, I'm not going to go do that. Um, I don't want to go sit in an air-conditioned room. I, I'll be honest, it's like there's a lot of questions now about Black Widow. And also, it's like this whole thing of what's going on with the whole situation. It's just speeded it all up. It's very messy. Cinemas are essentially fighting to survive. But there's also a lot of people also calling on the fact of going, well, they haven't really adjusted them. And even they were talking about, you know, they're going to have to raise the prices to cover all the COVID charges. And it's like some people are saying... You know, every other industry has had to change, but cinemas have been very like we are staying the same, and we're not, we're not, we want the same system we've always had, and everything else has changed now. And it's like, is cinema part of it? I mean, a lot of people talk about the cinema experience. I'll be honest, that cinema experience for me seems to just be getting less and less pleasant as more and more people just become less and less 
um, respectful of, t of space and time. So, you know, sitting there and people are on their phones and kids are jumping around and running around the screens and people are chomping. It's like, it's not, it's not the same as it was because, and that's ultimately something I think people are aware of as well. Yeah, the, the cinema experience, I, I totally get what they mean by it. I, I agree with them in theory about it. Like, I love going to the cinema for the big blockbuster movies. You know, as much as we talk about our, our home entertainment system, when, when you've got something like the Avengers going up on the big screen with the, the full theater surround sound, it's a great experience. But at the same time, uh, I get what you're saying too. Like, I remember going to see The Force Awakens opening weekend and the person I was next to, uh, somebody I didn't know, was commentating the entire movie, like under his breath. And I'm just sitting there like, just be quiet, yeah. please. Let me enjoy the movie. And I did at, I did at one point, and the, the person on, sitting on his other side was also like, can, can you tone it down a little bit? And he did for five minutes before he was right back into it. And there's that part of the cinema experience too. I don't like going to stuff on opening weekends just in general, but I, I must yeah. be honest. I I got into the habit of when if say like if Mulan would you no know, on a normal circumstances, I try and go first the first showing on the first day at like nine o'clock in the morning on my day off, and because usually that's would be my normal day off, and usually you'd only be like half full that time of day you wouldn't tend to see a lot you know the idea of, of going in an evening now is just like no but that's ultimately a lot of people like that you know it's a whole event going to the cinema i think for us it's more about often just going to see the movie yeah uh, and, and, yeah well if you have a family too that factors in as well it becomes an event when you take your mm -hmm. kids that they, they get super excited to see the the animated movie or, or whatever and it feels like something different for kids you know uh, it's a, it's a treat. Whereas again, you and I, no kids. I'm going to see the movie. I, I'm not not buying popcorn, not buying a soda, any of that stuff. I I am there to see the movie and enjoy the movie. Kids are it. It might as well be like a ball pit and a slide, as far as they're concerned. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. I I'm I'm kind of in. I'm in two minds about it personally. Um as far as obviously doing the podcast and videos and the website and all the rest of it, I feel like I need to see it um, to comment on it and to obviously um, do bits and pieces. I did mention that to my wife about the price and she was like, no chance. I was like, well, we'll, we'll do it anyway because of, but I think had we not been doing this, um, yeah, I don't think I would be jumping straight onto it. I still think the 30, I think even at 20, it was a bit of a push, but for 30, that's that, that's like borderline for for me personally, and I, I even I'm like oh, I don't really want to encourage this. And that and that's part of the slippery slope too. Yeah. If this does very well for them, we will see it again. Mm -hmm. uh, Black Widow's the obvious candidate, but I would expect to see it on less top tier movies as well. Like you, you wouldn't see it on like the one and only Ivan or something like yeah. that. It, it's going to be on stuff that people are anticipating but yeah. as with these things it will become more and more just accepted but also there's another argument to that as well of like now we could start seeing when a movie also gets released on digital platforms such as itunes this could just become the standard where it becomes available 
on Disney Plus as a premium option as well. And I don't think, and I think I could see that happening just in general now, where the gateway is that you do have, you can get access to it for maybe three months if Disney want to keep doing that system. You know, as much as they're talking about trying to reduce that window, and I think the trouble was Frozen 2 and Onward have set unreal expectations of that. I mean, I just cannot see how that was, Disney would want to embrace that too quickly because right. they're just losing money to it. So I think in general, I think in, you could end up seeing, you know, Black Widow arriving three months later on Disney Plus and then three months later after that, it's available to all subscribers. And they kind of get a double whack on that one. And I think we, I think Disney Plus is going to become that gateway window for Disney to be in your television. I think, you know, it's, it's got that many people using it. Now they're looking at going, we can now use this technology as almost like a storefront. And it's not ideal, but then you look at what, you know, Amazon do this um, and also other platforms as well. You know, I do. And it's that thing of like, well, if it's available on, on iTunes, why not put it into Disney Plus? You know, well, okay, there is so a difference. you're not buying it. That's the trouble. Not buying it. And then there's also the, the Mushu in the corner over here that we haven't talked about yet, which is uh, if you want to maintain access to it, if you buy it for $30, you do have to maintain your subscription yeah. it's kind of held hostage by that subscription and uh i have to admit i find that a little underhanded if you buy this if you pay 30 dollars for this and you let your subscription lapse yeah. after a month you should really still be able to access this this, this is not a oh uh it got added mm -hmm. uh, and this, this is my benefit for being this yeah. is something you pay for on top of and I it, think, I've, yeah, I was going to say, I think it might be a technical thing. They kind of, Disney Plus seems to be set up to, you have to log in to get in there. That's the thing. Well, they, they should be able yeah. to have a, you can log in uh, just as an account yeah. without having to be a subscriber. Mm -hmm. And I think out of all the, the slippery slope, out of all the questionable things, this is the one that gets me is... I don't want my content held hostage by the subscription. Like it... I, I own digital movies across multiple platforms, uh, Amazon, iTunes, Google, just whatever had a good deal at the time. But I have never had to be like, well, you can only watch this Amazon movie if you have Amazon Prime as well. I'm like, no, if I bought the movie, I have the movie. I'll be honest, I've, never, I've not really gone down the full digital purchase route of, um, I was still very much, you know, my, I was, because we didn't get the whole over here, we didn't get digital versions included in the physical products. We still have to buy the DVD or the Blu-ray. You don't get a digital copy automatically like you do in the States. So I've still been buying Blu-rays until pretty much the last few years where, especially since Disney Plus comes online, I'm just like, there is just no point in me buying uh, Blu-rays because everything's on hand and I would rather just, it's like frozen too. It's like, well, I'll just wait. I'll just wait till it's on there. Same thing. With, um, and I just, just stopped buying it because I just feel like they're on there. And it's the same thing with other movies. I've just, because they're always, because I usually would choose to rent them through like Amazon or PlayStation. For, and it's like, for me, once I've seen it, I, I can wait a few more months. I'd rather just rent it. I do a lot of digital rentals and that's where I, I haven't really gone down the hope. Cause to me, buying a movie, I don't see any point in doing that because I just wouldn't, I mean, I buy a lot of, I've started buying games physically, or sorry, digitally, but I'd even buy them physically because they're often 10 to 15 pounds cheaper than if you buy them digitally. But that's a choice. And same thing really with um, Blu-rays and stuff. Yeah. And with 
games, there's often a secondary market where once you're done with it, you can resell it. The secondary market on Blu-rays and, and such is almost non-existent unless you get some super rare collectible. I remember when the Terminator 2 DVD was worth like $100 because it was limited release and then it was gone. This this was way back in the beginning of the DVD days. Yeah, but unfortunately my Terminator, yeah, the reason I have got a Terminator 2 disc and the actual, it's the only disc that I have and it's actually rotten. It's actually, it completely went green inside, but nevertheless. Um, that sounds like a biohazard. Yeah, it's not, it's not so good. The only thing is as well, if I was like, you know, this is the first, you know, obviously moved into a new place. It's the first time we've not got any Blu-rays or DVDs out on display because I, they've been shrinking. We got rid of a load when we moved because ultimately with three or four subscription packages, we've got hundreds of movies, thousands on demand. There just wasn't the demand for it. So we, they're all in a box in the cupboard. I mean, how long they stay there until eventually we go, we haven't used these in years. Let's get rid of them. But we got, I got rid of, box i mean i at one point i probably had 1500 um dvds and blu-rays but now we're probably down to about 200 and nearly all of them are disney and star wars and marvel blu-rays and stuff but i just think moving forward it's going to be very interesting to see how mulan affects and look what in impact this has yeah we'll we'll have to wait and see and consumers ultimately have to vote with their dollar do you think it's too expensive don't buy it are you annoyed that you have to maintain a subscription don't buy it disney will be watching this extremely closely and more than almost any other purchase you can look at each individual choice will matter because disney has to hit that 200 million dollar threshold or whatever breaks them even on costs mulan if they don't break even the, this probably doesn't continue if they make a profit on it it definitely continues Right, moving on from there, which kind of ties into the whole Disney Plus as a gateway, Disney, Bob Chapek announced that they were launching a brand new streaming service internationally called Star. Now, this is going to um, focus on having uh, content from 20th Century Fox, or 20th Century Studios, Searchlight Studios, FX, ABC Studios, and Freeform, which might sound very familiar to everyone in America, because that's kind of the content that you're going to see a lot of on Hulu. Now, let's get this out of the way. First off, the reason they're doing it as Star, not Hulu, they were, well, first off, Hulu doesn't mean anything internationally. It only runs in the US and also was working in Japan. So generally, Hulu doesn't exist around the world. So whenever anyone says, well, you can get that on Hulu, not for the rest of us. Um, the other big issue, and this is the big one that I don't think a lot of people may be caught on of why they haven't done it. If they launch Hulu internationally, Comcast own 33% of Hulu. And they've got a deal where they will buy them out in like by the 2024 or whenever they want before that. And they have to give them the market value. So if they manage to increase the market value of Hulu by launching internationally and adding a further 30, 40 million subscribers, they're essentially giving um, Comcast millions of dollars. So if they call it something else, they don't have to give them a single penny. So that really is something that people need to be aware of going forward. The other thing as well is they have got Hotstar, which is one of the biggest streaming services in the world running in India. And they also, they're about to launch it in Indonesia in September as well. And they, I did find this very strange of how they were calling Star an international brand. And it's like, yes, we have got Hotstar here in the UK and in other countries. And it's just full of um, content from India. 
I was actually flicking through it last night. You know, I can subscribe to Hotstar here, but it's a little bit different than the US, the one in India, because there's this Disney Plus Hotstar. So you get Disney Plus and you get Hotstar all in one big app. So that's why they get, you know, all the 20th century studio movies. They get um, the Bollywood movies. They get um, content from other brands as well. And there was some wording that I kind of picked up from, and I want to read this out because... I'd actually even sent this to James. I also sent it to the mods on the Facebook group and a few other people going, how did you read this? Did you read it the same as me? Because he said that first off, they're going to be following the strategy that they had with Disney Plus. But they said, in many markets, the offering will be fully integrated into our established Disney Plus platform, both from a marketing and technology uh, perspective. And it'll be utilized under the Star brand, which has been successfully utilized by the company in the general entertainment platform particularly with Disney Plus Hotstar in India. The fact that Disney Plus has grown as, as rapidly as it has, both domestically and globally, clearly demonstrates the value of our content. And through the added addition of the Star branded general entertainment offering, we are further extending the value of that content internationally. Now, the concept, it says they're fully integrated. Now, this could mean one of two things. First off, they're going to do it like a bundle where you can, the, the, both advert, the adverts, for example, will say, Disney Plus and Star, get the bundle together. Or is Star going to be within the Disney Plus app as a pre, as a, as almost like a package deal? Because we have that um, on Amazon. You can add on extra package deals on Comcast's um, Now TV over here. You can get in and you can add the movie package and you can add the sports package and you can... Up. And the, the term integrate was a very weird one. I mean, whether or not it's based on the same technology, but... Will Star be completely separate or will it actually be built into Disney Plus internationally? Very weirding in terms of, because I asked you that and you were a little bit too sure either. Yeah, I was like, I, I think I, I came back with it, my own questions. Like, did he, is it going to be one thing or is Star the international? Or I don't know. It, I, I have to imagine it's very de- deliberate how well, obtuse, vague. <laughs> vague. Yeah, this this comment is that um, makes me wonder if they actually even know themselves what the end result will be. Not, not that they have no plan, but that they haven't actually settled on which plan they're going to go with. Mm. Well, we are going to be having an investors day event in, in the coming months where they're going to be detailing all of the plans going forward, announcing bits and pieces. And I'm obviously going to find out a lot more about it then. Um, I personally feel like if they were to integrate it in with Disney plus, they are going to be able to hit a much bigger market of people. The, 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 time, the minute you're going to have a second app means then that people could get lost and not find it. If you put it within the Disney Plus app, suddenly then, you know, if 30 million subscribers internationally have, can now see it within there. I personally would like it within the app because I like to have it, you know, when I look at what Disney Plus Hotstar is getting, I like that idea. I like it all being all in one. We've talked about it before, but it definitely shows as well. Disney are going, these are these brands, these are these brands. I think the problem is internationally, those brands are nowhere near the same level that Disney Plus is. ABC, Freeform, that would probably be, most people, if you ask people in Britain, they probably would think it was a female um, uh, hygiene product. It does not have a brand. We don't have the channel over here. It's a non-existent brand. ABC, most people would probably expect it to be, they were singing the Michael Jackson song. ABC isn't a brand in the UK. America Broadcasting Network, you know, it's not a... And also then in Australia, you've got ABC as the Australian Broadcasting Network. You know, you've got 
that whole mix-up. The only thing really there is 20th century um, TV. Even FX isn't even, I mean, a, a show over here. It isn't even a channel over here. You know, so it's, it is much more, and I think if they add it in within the Disney Plus option, it could make things different. Um, it also, unfortunately, I do think as well, it now means that, that all those shows that we were talking about um, previously, things like uh, Modern Family, Buffy, anything like that suddenly now becomes a little bit more like, oh, are they going to want to put that somewhere else on Star? Um, it looks like it's going to be mainly more um, like just a library content. They might get all the Hulu originals and FX originals and stuff, but it doesn't look like they're quite going down the full um, original market. It's more just going to be a library content, so the price point might reflect that, but very interesting to see this. Um, and also, a lot of other people commented on the fact of could Disney then rebrand Hulu once they brought out, you know, make it all an international thing? Or are we just going to get like Disney Plus Star and that becomes like the p package? I don't know. It's very interesting to see how it definitely caught me off guard. It definitely, I think, sort of because everyone I think was assuming Hulu would be going international and they kind of went, yeah, we don't want the Hulu side of it. We're going to do it because there's not going to be any live TV, there's not going to be any licensed content. It's only from those brands. Um, it's kind of like a grown-up version of Disney Plus, but um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I wish I had more to add to it, but it's really wait and see. We have to see what the plan is. We have to see how it's going to roll out. Um, I, I could see several years from now Hulu on on the U.S. shores turning into some version of Disney Star or Star or Hot Star, uh, just to maintain that brand because Disney is not anything if not a brand machine and they want to make sure that if you mention their brand anywhere in the world everyone knows what you're talking about yeah and the thing is well like if hulu i know and obviously americans are used to because you've had it for like 10 years but it wasn't a it was a combination of comcast warner brothers disney 20th century fox all coming together to basically fight netflix by essentially tying themselves into contracts and then tying their hands behind their back trying to fight um because they weren't able, they, none of the companies really got fully on board because they're all secretly plotting their own, <laughs> their own plans. And it was just a, they, it, it was always just like a, a half bred approach to just the idea of not being able to fully integrate properly. Yeah. I, I would take a little bit of issue. I don't think any of the companies had yet started their own ideas. I like yeah. C plus wasn't a thought. No. Uh, Peacock wasn't a thought. All the other ones but they definitely did not want to commit to it fully because they wanted to stick with the tried and true traditional television. Hulu and Netflix both were there. Like they were the ones that proved that the concept could work. They weren't the first there had, there had been streaming attempts before that, but cord cutting wasn't really a thing yet. The television was still how you got content most of the time. It's only been in the recent years that that people have really gone why do i need tv i've got netflix yeah yeah i think the real thing's going to happen is really what happens with hulu internet um in in some way internationally star is a lot of an easier system to take in because it's like it is just it's all in there you know all the content from those brands goes in there you know and it will be we will be saying things like you know it'll be a much more clear defined moment of a movie comes out on searchlight well that'll go to star unless it's a real family-friendly thing where it could go either way. But if it gets integrated into Disney+, Plus, it could be very interesting 
um, point of view of kind of like, and this is where I keep thinking of like, um, well, like listening between the lines, it's like, hold on, premium rentals, star, it's like sounding like Amazon Prime. You know, you log into that app and you've got movies to buy. You've got other packages you can vote on. I mean, it might be a lot more simpler within Disney Plus. But suddenly I'm now going, yeah, that, you look at that, that could be quite a, that suddenly boosts up what Disney Plus is. Of It is Disney Plus. You know, you've got other stuff. It's a gateway into people's television. And they've got you all going through one app. Um, I think that could be very powerful going forward. Yeah, well, just let me know when they add on the ability to get free shipping from Shop Disney, um, and then then we'll throw in the Amazon Prime comparison. That's I, not a good option for me, really. That's not a good <laughs> idea. That, the fact that you have to pay 50 quid to get free shipping on many a times has saved me from spending way too much money at Shop Disney. <laughs> See, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> they did. The thing is, you see, is in the UK... Disney Life did actually give you a, a 10% discount on Shop Disney. And also when you went to the stores as well. You could, so I used the store discount a lot. And also I used to find, say you were buying something for like 30 quid and you didn't want to get to that five quid or 50 quid limit. The, the discount would often nearly take off the price of the, of the shipping. So I did Disney Life. I brought loads of stuff from um, the Disney store because that discount basically would wipe out the cost of shipping so this actually works so that's the one of those things there was a couple of things from disney life which i did actually really like and that was one of them but yeah so star and mulan would and obviously the amount of people coming into it really did kind of shake everything up um, there was also um a hulu press event this week we've also had national geographic they've announced tons of new shows and things coming so definitely check out the website there's tons of bits and pieces. I don't think all of those stuff will be eventually be coming down the Disney Plus pipeline, especially on the National Geographic side. I'm not too sure a Bin Laden uh, documentary about his hard drives will probably end up on Disney Plus. It'll probably end up on Hulu. But there were some other ones and there's some really there's also some really interesting ones as well that I think will be coming from National Geographic coming forward. But let's move on there because obviously time's ticking away. Um, let's talk about this week's big um, trailer that got released, which was the Phileas and Ferb movie, Candidates Against the Universe. Finally got to see what this thing's all about. I'm going to be honest, I've only ever watched one episode of Phileas and Ferb. Um, didn't really know who they were until I purchased the, ga- the f- video games for Disney Infinity when I used to run a Disney Infinity podcast that me and James used to do together. Um, yeah, this I watched this trailer. I still don't have a clue what's going on. Um, I know there's a lot of people really excited about this. Um, but I, I just watched it. It looks nice, and it looks pretty zany. And I got no idea where this thing's going. But I'm kind of interested to see what this thing is. What about you? I know even less about Phineas and Ferb than you do. I've, I have not seen a single episode. My entire knowledge of it comes from Disney Infinity, uh, which didn't even have a playset. It was literally just the characters. Um, yeah. So I, I know basically nothing. There's a platypus. His name's Agent yeah. P or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, I know nothing. This trailer, I was like, I still know nothing of what's going on. I thought that was the bad guy. Uh, uh, Dr. Doom versus or something. Yeah, yeah him. The, the old scientist guy. I thought he was the bad guy, but apparently they're friends now. I, I don't know. Um, I do intend to watch the show. Uh, I just finished Gravity Falls recently, uh, which was fantastic. And Phineas and Ferb is next in line because everyone actually... 80% of the people I talk to say it's, it's really good. So I'm going to give that a shot. Um, so I'm not going to watch, uh, well, I'm probably going to watch the movie first because we're going to talk about it here on the podcast. So I'm going to do it backwards. 
Um, I, I'll try to watch some episodes before, so I at least have some basic understanding of what the heck is going on there. That said, even though I had no idea what was going on, it did look entertaining. It did look yeah. funny. I, it's really strange. I, I, I don't really feel like Disney Plus is really... I mean, they are doing things with the Disney Channel. I mean, this this past week, you know, they did a kind of a little push on the new Proud Family show that's going to be coming. Um, I mean, they are kind of going on it, but they've never really, they don't feel like they've really fully gone into the whole providing Disney Plus with like Disney Channel, like TV shows and new stuff like cartoons. We've really, really, I thought we would see a lot more of that, but they really have kind of been sticking to the guns of how they release stuff through the Disney Channel. And, you know, you think you're like, this is like the first like what proper cartoon that we've had from Disney uh, on Disney Plus. I think so. Everything, I mean, we, el- everything other than the Clone Wars, which is still arguable because that yeah. it was a continuation of a series that already existed, although the content was exclusive to Disney Plus. I don't think there were any animation shows uh, that that came directly to Disney Plus. They they had some well, shorts, uh, but that was about yeah. it. But I mean, like things like the one on 101 Dalmatian Street and the three, the Legends of the Three Caballeros, they were on other platforms. They weren't, they weren't exclusive. It's just kind of looking at it, well, yeah, they've not really kind of fully gone into all that. Everything's still going through the Disney Channel network of how they're doing it. That might start, as I said, things are going to start changing and mixing things up. As even during the investors call, they said that they've closed down like 30 Disney channels around the world. You know, this is something that's going to speed up, but I hope we see more of it. Let's now talk about Howard, which is the brand new documentary movie which was added to Disney Plus this past week. Um, did get to see it. Um, I did actually get to see it um, oh, about a week or so ago. That's why the review was up on the website. But we're waiting for James to get it so we can have a quick talk about it. So what did you think of the movie? I thought it was pretty well done. I learned a lot about uh, this man who I didn't know an incredible amount about. Uh and it did give some nice little interesting insights into the creative process at Disney, although that was really only the last half of the documentary. Um, for anybody who has seen the Into the Unknown documentary series, you know, they talked a lot about how Frozen 2 had, they had no plan. They had no idea what they were doing and, and stuff was really fly by wire. Uh, spoiler, Howard shows that that seems to be business as usual for Disney. <laughs> um, one of the stories that I thought was great was how they're like beauty and the beast is like a train wreck right now. It's really boring. Uh, it's coming out in like a month. Not, not really. It was yeah. like a year out, but come save it. And the beauty and the beast that we know now really was Howard's creation more than anything else. And also just like how Aladdin kind of was like just jumping around within Disney and they'd like kind of, had got the he'd done all the songs he'd done all the songs for the movie, and even like in things like the Little Mermaid of like, I think was it part of this part of the world was not even the one of the guys in charge of Disney didn't even want it in the movie, you know. And but, they said that you need this kind of, and it's like you hear all this stuff. And obviously at the time, they weren't filming stuff for documentaries like they are now to to use the extra content. So there's, there's probably not a huge amount of content there, but all the stories and stuff. They're all very interesting. If you're into your Disney history, um, this is this is very. It's kind of funny as well. I think there's a lot of people that look back on this era, and you know consider it so great. And this was a major part of it. Um, and yeah, I thought that whole aspect to the, the documentary was great. There were some issues I did have with documentary. First, I felt it was a little bit slow to get going. 
Um, I, I got about halfway. I think it might be even, it, it seemed like we, we were probably at about the halfway point really before we started talking about the Disney side of things. And up to that point, I, I'd really had never heard of Howard until I, um, until I heard about this uh, movie a couple of years ago at the D23, I remember it coming up as something that people were talking about and it, and it was floating around, but I really didn't know anything about it. Um, I don't think I've seen Little Shop of Horrors. And so there's a whole load of this of going, okay, you know, what, what, this is like, we're really going in deep here. We're not, they're not just sugarcoating it or glossing over his life before Disney in five minutes. They, they really took their time on it. They did, but I'd also agree that they may have spent a little too much time on it. Because um, really, what we know him for, even ignoring that this is uh, a Disney um, Plus documentary and so on, what people know him for is his Disney work. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, uh, plus a couple other things that he did on the side. Uh, sure, people who've done the research know he also did Little Shop of Horrors. They may even know like the uh, the Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name right now. Uh, did that. I didn't know he'd done that. That was kind of cool. Um, I appreciated they showed the little bit of how he met Jody Benson for the first time, because she's obviously a major part of that time period as well. But at the same time, I'm just like, come on, come on. You don't need to spend 30 minutes on little shop of horrors. That's already half of that movie to begin with. So I, it's important to see where he comes from because obviously where he comes from shapes what he does yeah. at Disney. But that first half definitely kind of like, I want to know about Gaston. I want to know about Ariel. And yeah. Yeah. Very much. Set time. And, I, and I think it, the thing is as well as I think this was such an, in some ways it's such an important um, documentary to have on Disney plus, because obviously, you know, they're openly talking about him being gay and growing up being gay at a time when he, you know, it was not as socially acceptable as it is now. And that whole aspect to it and, you know, talking about um, his partners and stuff like that. And I was like, like this is on a Disney Plus. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I wonder how many people are tuning in for this. No idea what's actually this documentary is going to be about. And I really thought that was great. I think this is what Disney Plus needed. I think, you know, that we need to be able to handle subjects that maybe people don't like. And it's like, we need to have this, you know, we need to have that kind of content on there. The whole concept really of how they were talking about him getting AIDS and how he was uh, suffering and how he died from it. And, you know, hearing his family and friends, you could hear them cracking under the, you know, the emotional strain of it all. And it was like, this is such an important thing because now we, now, you know, people today don't really know so much especially younger people don't i mean i was born in 1980 so i grew up as a kid during the 80s and i remember you know we had terrible adverts on tv and it was it was a death sentence you know it was you know we had that whole thing going forward you know the whole thing with um freddie mercury that you've seen in like bohemian rhapsody if you've seen that movie you know at that time it's so different than it is now and the fact of him trying to hide it from disney and trying to but also then Disney working with him and working around his illness to get Beauty and the Beast out because they knew how important it was. You know, sending the whole team out to him kind of really showed of how accepting they were of it for them to, you know, they knew how valuable he was and he wanted to work to the end, but he did have, he, he had to hide it because he, he knew that if he said anything, he wouldn't have carried on doing those shows. And it was a very interesting time, a very interesting time. 
definitely an interesting time. I kind of wish they'd touched on it a bit more, given a little more context to it. Because if if you watch just the documentary and for whatever reason you don't know about the AIDS epidemic of the uh, 80s and 90s, it doesn't actually, you don't understand why it was a big deal, the, the, mm. the, uh, the atmosphere around it. Yeah. The other thing though, uh, you mentioned that Disney worked with him and, and, yeah. and so on. I kind of got the impression that they were, they were kind of held over a barrel. Like, Oh, we, it, we, we have to ignore the, the moral implications yeah. Yeah. as it would have been seen at the time and just be like, we need this guy to make music. It wasn't even necessarily, yeah. we're standing behind you. It's like, no, no, songs songs give us songs um which he did obviously Mm -hmm. but it it's it's hard to put modern morals on what happened Mm -hmm. at that time and to view it through that lens i kind of wish they tried a little bit with the documentary though yeah almost that kind of thing of like because i mean we had a really bad like commercial that would air and stuff about about it and it was like a little bit of context would have been good um i just it was one of those situations i think it was a very uh was a, I mean, it wasn't originally made for Disney Plus. It was actually it did get floated around some uh, some festivals a few years ago, and Disney picked it up because obviously they felt it was right for Disney Plus. And I think it's such a good move. I think you know Disney have shown in the last like two three months that they are willing to put some more um, content on there. I think like between Howard and sort of Black is King and uh, also Hamilton, it's showing that there's a they you know, they can give you a little bit more. Um, content that is aimed at her because this is not for kids this is I think kids would be bored stiff and I'm going to be you know if your kid is not going to want to watch this um, and then I wouldn't even say you can speed through to the Disney bit because I just don't think it's it's kids are going to enjoy because the style is a very more traditional t- documentary of you know lots of photographs and talking about it and I thought the second half was good I, I did find the, sec- the first half a bit too slow but um, I mean, it could have maybe, it, it almost feels like it could have been trimmed a little bit, you know, from that 90 minutes, maybe 80, 70 minutes could have really helped. But it also helped set him up and set up, you know. And also that whole thing of him talking, you know, and talking about watching the parade and him knowing that that was his music coming on. And that hit me. I must admit, that was one of those things of going, you know, he did, his music, his work lives on right now. Um, and also little things like not realizing like the mob song from, uh, Beauty and the Beast was basically kind of inspired by the current times of what was going on of the lynch mob against people that were gay and had AIDS at the time. And um, I mean, that was like, whoa. I mean, I never made the connection, but it's like, oh, yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, they did try to say, like, no, I, I don't think Howard would have deliberately put his real life. And it's like, do you, do you know? any writers who don't put their own life into their works. I mean, mm. that that's one of the keys of writing is, you know, drawing on your own experiences. I, I'd have to assume that at least some of the mob song was drawn from what he saw outside the window. And it's, yeah, it, those, those stories specifically, I wish we'd had more of that kind of thing. Not necessarily like, Oh yeah. Uh, he was horribly abused and he wrote a yeah. song about how horribly, but what, drove him to write some of these songs mm-hmm. uh you mentioned earlier the the little mermaid song mm-hmm. uh part of your world uh and how the executive was like no, no, get rid of this song this is boring kids are going to be wiggling in their seats the, the wiggle test you know yeah and and howard was like no you have to have this song in the play uh in in the, the movie 
And I found that one really fascinating because, you know, part of your world is the I want song, mm-hmm. right? Most Disney fans know the I want song. But that was the song that started the I want trend. Like if, if that movie, well, okay, yeah, there were some in older movies, but it became like the signature I want in Disney movie moving forward for like the next 10 years. And if it had been cut from The Little Mermaid, all of those subsequent movies might have been very different because they, they wouldn't have had the I want song. But then you have, you have to look at the guy going, the, the 80s t- movies that Disney put out, you talk about that, like the wiggle test, you know, they were aimed at they were aimed at little kids. You know, we had or was it like Oliver and Co. and the Rescuers and a few other the Black Cauldron and a few things like that. And none of them, none of yeah, none of them really were hitting the heights of all the musical stuff that we saw in the sixties, the seventies, and the fifties. They used to, and you could tell that they were just following it. They they didn't, and you then look at like Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and how that all changed everything up a bit. And brought, and they, you know, they, we call it the Disney resistance, uh, not resistance. Um, <laughs> that's the Star Wars sequels. That's the Star Wars sequels, and we try not yeah. to talk about those too much. Um, yeah, so it's like you know that whole thing of just like moving forward of how he completely revolutionized Disney at the time, and those songs are a major part of those movies. You know, without you know that's what brought a load of people in, and it's they're still using it today. You know, we've got you know. You know, Mulan is literally, you know, the big story we're talking about. And it was literally that came out of that you know, era. And, you know, we've had all the remakes. You know, we've got The Little Mermaid literally film. I think they're either filming or they're just finishing up their quarantine right now in the UK before they start filming the movie. You know, it's still just as prevalent as it is now as it was then. Yeah, and it was interesting to hear Howard talk about um, the songs that came out of those because there was that whole section where he's like... Um, he's using the songs to tell the story. And if you look back at the, the older musicals, Cinderella, uh, Seven Dwarves, etc., while they had music in them, the music was often like a side piece. Mm-hmm. It, was, it might be explaining the situation or it might be the I Want song, but there was very little actual storytelling mm-hmm. in them. You know, When You Wish Upon a Star is really just a beautiful piece that doesn't have much to do with what's going on. Then you get to Little Mermaid and all the songs are pushing the story forward. Mm. Beauty and the Beast, they're pushing the story forward. And that was like that big ticket that Howard very specifically was like, no, this this is how you do it. And yeah, I mean, that in in and of itself, just kind of the influence that he had on the changes to Disney storytelling ideas that we still feel today. Uh, I don't know. You can't state it enough. And that by itself is kind of makes this worth watching. But again, like you said, kids are going to be bored out of your mind. This is an adult thing. Not because it's mature. There's no cursing. They they don't go into depths of whatever. It's just, it's It's presented. It's not made for kids. It's no, it's, it's presented for adults. Hmm. So, um, final thoughts. Um, personally, I gave it, I think it was a four out of five. I thought it was a very well-made documentary. It's a little bit slow, so that was kind of took a little bit away from it. But very important thing. It's not something I would watch again, but very interesting. Nice to see this stuff on there. Um, hopefully, as people would check it out. Um, if you're interested at all in those, in those movies, do watch it. Um, but yeah, just go in knowing, going that this is not your typical Disney fluff piece. And that, I, I actually really like that part of it because... 
uh, as I don't really enjoy the, the Disney fluff pieces where they can, you know, you don't really get anything like decent out of it. This was, I enjoy the more, more um, things like this. I don't mind the fluff pieces, obviously, but this is more satisfying than there. It, it's all about um, intent and, and expectation. When I go to a Disney fluff piece, I know I'm basically getting a marketing pitch uh, uh, dressed up with funny songs and a, and a happy person in front of yeah. Disneyland explaining how they, they love cleaning the streets of Disneyland or whatever. <laughs> I, I still enjoy them, but I know what they are. This has a lot more meat to it. Right, I think pretty much on that there. Anything you want to add on anything else you've watched? Because we obviously had the second episode of The Muppets, and I wonder what you thought of that one. Uh, just really quickly, I did enjoy it. Um, I love the Swedish chef bit. I was, mm-hmm. I was really laughing. Danny uh, Trejo, uh, yeah. I was not expecting to see him on The Muppets, <laughs> but he was really good. Uh, I love seeing anything with Beaker and, and uh, uh, Bunsen. And, Plus, they're just lighting, they're literally lighting things on fire. I don't see how you could not love that. That said, you can see that there is kind of a pattern forming or a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A a routine that they're going to go for. And I really hope that that does not hold through, that they kind of shake it up as they get further into the episodes. But I'm still enjoying it. I laughed. I had fun checking out episode three as soon as it drops next week. Yeah, I mean, I do, as I talked about it last week with the second episode stuff, so I, I kind of one of those things, I think I saw it about like three weeks ago, so it's like, oh yeah, that just came out, and it's it's kind of a fun, we're interested to see how it goes forward moving, you know, I think we are going to see the same kind of, what they've done like with Miss Piggy and all the rest of it, that's, and the Swedish Chef, they're just going to become regulars, I would have liked a little bit more variety, but there's only six episodes, maybe see how people get on with it. You know, um, the more Muppet love on Disney Plus, the better. And yeah, so like I said, I, I, I enjoyed the series. I'm looking forward to watching a new episode on Friday next week. Um, but we've also got, we've got that great, we've got a brand new Disney movie coming out next week, um, Magic Camp. We all know so much about it. Have we even gotten a trailer for we've it? We've not got a trailer. We've not got an official image. We've, we've got a really bad grainy um, logo that came out years ago. This is like, if there was ever a case of Disney burying something, this was it. They didn't even include it in the what's on, in the next on Disney. They have released nothing on this movie. And if that doesn't send warning flags up about how bad this thing must be, because Disney don't, you don't, it's like, I mean, if this, I wouldn't even be surprised if this thing got delayed. If they said, oh, it's, we're pushing it back to September, and go, oh, you, you didn't tell your marketing people just take it out the, out the PR thing. Like, if they release this, it's like, I'm, I can't, I want to watch it because they've made this whole thing about, oh, you haven't said a word about it. It's got to be bad. <laughs> we, we, you and I, have honestly yeah. done more marketing for this movie <laughs> than they have, and we have no idea what it's about. I mean, every sign says this is going to be a train wreck, uh, assuming it even comes out. Yeah. Even if it does come out next week, I'm kind of like 50-50. Is it going to show up on the new to Disney Plus banner yeah. at all? I'm, or is it just going to be quietly inserted into the middle and just be like, oh, yeah, um, it's there. You know, trust us. And it'll only come if you search for it. I don't know. It. Yeah, part of me is like morbidly curious. What is something so bad that Disney just wants to bury it uh on the other hand i'm also like i value my time more than these really bad movies so 
We'll see. It's, it, you've just got to admit, it's, 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 it's odd. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're seven, we're six days away from it. A, a proper, you know, it's on, it's on their official press release. You know, it's not like we just made, made this stuff up. But they've not put it on anything. And I mean, I wouldn't be, and I was like, going, well, did they, they move when they one and only Ivan back because of it? And then they were like, what? It's like, because it didn't make any sense of dropping it on there. And we'd seen it already that it was coming to Disney Plus Hotstar as well. And that kind of got pushed back. And it's like, this is just strange. You know, Disney will usually try and promote anything that they got onto Disney Plus. But I mean, I don't know. This has definitely got all the hallmarks of. Yeah, we don't. You just don't see this from this from, well, from really very many companies at all. You know what? I, honestly, if it drops, if it does drop, we have to watch it and talk about it for like thirty minutes. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> so, <laughs> just so everyone can share into the. You know what? Actually, uh, let let's do a live stream. <laughs> we're not. We're not. But I'm just like, how can we make this any better slash worse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. right on that note thank you very much for joining us make sure as i said you do um subscribe on the audio platforms or on youtube and also as well to make sure if you could um if you've got a buck to spare head over to patreon as well and help support the podcast as well it really makes all of the big difference and we'll be back next week with another episode laters mm, magic camp magic camp <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> Dude, that, that's going to be the final scene. It's like, we didn't even film the final scene. Grab that thing from the podcast. Magic. <laughs> Sliders. <laughs>